the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. And this is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDeal. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Manipal. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 234. I am your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... This is Ed. And this is Stella. And we are bringing the latest comic news and comic book reviews from the weeks of October 15th through October 28th. We have a total of two books to cover, a little bit of news, including solicitations, so let's just dive into the news. So the first thing we have, as I mentioned, solicitations are out for January 2018, and there's not a whole lot of new news, per se, with what's coming out in January. The, th- the couple things that I noticed that were out of the ordinary, I should say. First off, if you've been paying attention to Last Week in the Batcave by Jessica, which is a weekly article that delves into all kinds of secrets and clues and hints at what's to come in some of the books or pretty much all of the books are covered in in some way artists reveal art or there's a number of different things if you're not paying attention to it i suggest you do it posts every monday morning or right around lunchtime here in the united states but if you're not paying attention to it there's a lot of times that things are actually being discovered before DC actually announces them. And one of them was that uh, Batman White Knight, which was originally solicited as a miniseries that was going to be seven issues, has been extended to now eight issues. Back in the end of September, Jessica actually picked up on a comment that Sean Murphy actually said on Twitter, saying that thing about the eight issues, and then solicitations came around in the middle of October, and lo and behold, the solicitations reflect that there's now eight issues and not just seven. So pay attention to last week in the Batcave if you're not. Outside of that change, there is, for some reason, despite the fact that there is a miniseries starting up just this month in November with, well, there was supposed to be Batman and the Signal, and I'll get to that in a second, but the other one is Batman Creature of the Night. For some reason in January, there's no new issue of that series. I don't know if they just decided to skip a month or what, but they're skipping a month. Also, previously it was revealed that the Young Animal imprint was going to be crossing over with the DC Universe, more so than it ever has in the past, and there was going to be a number of crossover specials that were going to be released. Mother Panic was going to be intersecting directly with Batman, even though Batman has made a couple of appearances in the title. Those were expected to start in the begin or at the end of January, and for whatever reason, they're not, so I'm guessing now they've pushed that back till February. But Creature of the Night doesn't have a new issue. Mother Panic is issue number 12, which we'll talk about during Greater Gotham, has come out, but that book is actually going on hiatus until these crossovers happen. They will not have a new issue for November, December, and January, and presumably February as well until these crossovers happen. So that book is currently on hiatus. It's interesting specifically because there hasn't really been a whole lot of books that have gone on hiatus, and they're not even really acknowledging that they're on hiatus, they're just not soliciting a new issue for the series. The Mother Panic stuff just happened to, I completely missed it, it was during a panel at Comic-Con that they mentioned that a number of the Young Animal books were going to be going on hiatus after October, and there's, I guess, some books that have been on hiatus for a long time. I don't read all of the Young Animal stuff, so I can speak to it, but that's happening. And then the other real big 
change that happened is, as I mentioned, Batman and the Signal was supposed to launch a three-issue miniseries in November, and for whatever reason, at New York Comic Con, they revealed that it was not going to be launched in November, and then the solicitations came out, and they they basically resolicited the first issue for January. So they basically resolicited the first issue for January, pushing the series back two months. No real explanation at your Comic-Con or anywhere else as to why they pushed it back, other than just to give, I guess, Cully Hamner, who's the artist attached to the series, a little bit more time, even though it's a three-issue miniseries, and the Technically, the third issue would have came out in January when it would have been done. So you would think, because it's only three issues, giving them two extra months really wouldn't be that big of a big deal because it should have already been, he should have already been working on the third issue at this point. So that's basically all of the big stuff that came out of the solicitations outside of that there's a bunch of new stories starting up in some of the books while there's a bunch of other storylines that are concluding in some of the other ones the super sons of tomorrow crossover continues and then actually ends in january as well so take a look at the solicitations we also have a gallery of a lot of the interesting cover art that was released as part of the solicitation so definitely check that out over on the site i don't think any of the books are in danger of being canceled either just sounds like they're just shifting yeah, it definitely feels like what is, at least what's on the hiatus. I mean, Mother Panic doesn't have great sales numbers by any means. No, that's true. But at the same time, I'm pretty sure that the Young Animal stuff is expected to have much lower sales numbers. I don't know how long stuff like that can last at the lower sales numbers. The problem is that there are plenty of smaller publishing companies out there that produce much lower numbers like if they have an issue that has 10,000 issues that's great for them dc obviously it's very different we've we've talked about this in the past the threshold in the past has always been around 20,000 but it seems like that has been that that has gone significantly down probably towards like 10 to 12,000 is more of a cutoff point at this point. And that has a lot to do with the digital numbers make up a big difference that we don't ever see because we don't have any idea what the digital numbers are. State secret. But, yeah, they they just keep them all secret. Uh, The only real basis to kind of judge things on is the week that things release. You can go into Comixology and you can kind of see what's the top books for that week based off of, you know, what came out. But you still have no idea how much each book is selling. I would be really interested to know whether or not you know, what fraction of all, like, overall sales, like, if you have a full pie, is the print sale still, you know, a vast majority, like, 80% of the pie, or, and digital's only 20%, or is digital slowly becoming a larger piece of that pie? I just would be interested in that, but we don't have any idea of any of that. And I wonder if, like you said, the young animal imprints, if they're a lot more flexible with those sales. Because if Mother Panic was selling it as a main DC title, I'd have to believe it'd be dead by now, but... I think maybe with Young Animal, they're just, you know what I'm saying, like willing to do some more stuff. Well, it definitely would be dead because there's been series, it's actually selling less issues than I think Gotham Academy was when Gotham Academy actually ended. Um, So there's that part of it, but there's also, there's other titles that have been canceled. The one that I remember most notably recently was there was a mini series that was supposed to be six issues that was releasing last year. Vigilante, I think it was. Right. And they canceled that after just they two or three two issues. Two or three issues, just whacked it. Yep. Yeah, and it was only supposed to be a six-issue miniseries, so you would think, why would they have done that? But the issues were selling less than, like, nobody, you know, 10,000. Yeah, so... You know, I've, yeah. I've always wondered when they do, like, that six-issue miniseries, though, 
and you're going to clip it, just release like the last issues digitally. Well, what they ended up doing was they ended up collecting it. They, they still release it as a trade, complete, but they just didn't release the final issues. And in some ways, sometimes that makes the most sense. I mean... I don't think there's any reason Donna. that they shouldn't do stuff like that. I mean, obviously, we have been proponents of the idea of releasing stories in newer formats, and they're starting to get into that. As you're listening to this, the first book of Batman the Dark Prince Charming has released, and that's only a, it's basically a two-volume two right? series, each book being about 60-something pages long. So they're definitely trying new things finally, but it does feel like... It has been a long time coming, and they probably should have done this a long time ago. It also is interesting because it seems like they're doing a lot more miniseries. Some of these miniseries that are coming out, like, for example, Batman Creature of the Night, was actually a series that was announced that we actually had... I, I went back because when it was officially announced as it was releasing, it's the, the description sounded vaguely familiar to something that I remember from years ago. And I went back in the archives of the website and found that this was a project that was originally hinted at way back in 2011. Wasn't Sean Murphy's hinted, hinted like forever ago too, like a year and a half ago or something? Yeah. I mean that, yeah, that was like two years ago. I think that they originally started talking about that. So, I mean, like these are projects that like some of them have been in the works for years upon years and for whatever reason, they just didn't happen. I mean, part of it could have been they, you know, especially in the beginning of the New 52, they didn't do a lot with miniseries and things that were not within continuity and things like that. And now they're taking a little bit more risks, as we're seeing with, like, Nightwing, The New Order, and some of these other ones, like Batman White Creature of the Night is definitely outside of it. White Knight is definitely outside of it. I'm sure Dark Prince Charming is definitely outside yeah, of it. I would hope so. So, I mean... <laughs> There's definitely some, you know, they're they're definitely a little bit more open to letting these things happen outside of the main continuity, which is smart because not everybody wants to read the main continuity stuff. I mean, obviously, I want to read the main continuity stuff, but it's nice sometimes. I mean, I'm enjoying White Knight. I think it's really good. It's good. Yeah. All right, so then uh, some other real quick news bits. We talked about last episode that there's a Batman Metal one-shot that's going to be in stores in February. It's actually part of the solicitations, but shortly after solicitations were released for that book, which is called Dark Knight's Rising the Wild Hunt, which has a slew of creators attached to it. Most notably, the characters that one of the characters that's being featured in is Detective Chimp. Just need to mention that. But anyway, outside of that, one of the most interesting things that was announced after solicitations was that Grant Morrison is actually going to be coming on board to co-write a story with Scott Snyder, and then James Tynion and Joshua Williamson are also working on some aspect of this book. I'm not real sure exactly if it's just a, a giant group book. of writers. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I couldn't say for sure whether or not it's just going to be a bunch of individual stories or you know something else. But it seems like at least with these big names, it's I, I imagine it would be pretty difficult to have four writers who do not have their own story in some way. The actual solicitation for the book actually reads that it is going to be forty only forty pages and it's a one shot. It does have some sort of clue that there is going to be couple of different stories because one of them is one of the stories is going to be talking about where the metal men have been which has nothing to do with any of the other stuff and the main story is supposed to deal with flash cyborg raven and detective chimp so i'm guessing that grant morrison is just going to lend his knowledge of barbados because i know barbados is probably involved in this in some way i don't know I mean, when I heard Grant Morrison and Scott Snyder writing a story together, you know I was happy. 
but we'll see. Like I said, it sounds like a kind of a jam-packed one-shot, but knowing the way they did all these these other Dark Knight Metals one-shots, maybe that will start some stories here and we'll see some other one-shots or stuff to fall back on these stories. So that's cool. They're two great writers, so I can't imagine they'll be terrible. Well, we would hope not. Yeah, we would hope not. All right, and then finally, the last thing we've got is on October 24th, in preparation for the upcoming Justice League film, there was an announcement that came out that said that Mercedes-Benz and Justice League are teaming up for a digital comic series, obviously featuring the Mercedes-Benz lineup of vehicles alongside the Justice League. They've always done promotional tie-in comics for a variety of different things. I know back when Batman v Superman came out, there was promotional comics that were released in General Mills cereals. I have no problem admitting I was one of the suckers who bought General Mills cereals just for the comic books. Can't believe that. Yeah. Mercedes-Benz is actually releasing these exclusively on their Instagram channel. Six chapters, one featuring each member of the Just League, not including Superman, because Superman's dead, if you didn't know that already. No, he's dead. He's never coming back. Yeah. He's never never going to be a part of the Just League ever again, so don't even bother nope. going into the movie thinking he's going to be there. Nope. But that being said, if you're interested in checking out those, uh, we do have a link over on the website because it is comics and of course even though it's uh, promotional material we have a link so that you can go check those comics out over on the site so be sure to check that out in addition to that as usual there is two new installments of last week in the back cave so be sure to check those out and as i mentioned earlier those post every monday morning so be sure to check that out and outside of that just uh, running down some of the DCL Access stuff that is posted in the last couple weeks. There was Tim Seeley talking about wrapping up his story on Nightwing. There's a one talking about Batman the Drowned, which recently released. And then we also had Howard Porter, the artist um, on The Flash, I believe. Flash number 33, which is the first issue as part of the Bats Out of Hell crossover. He was talking about that issue and then there's also one with them talking about Batman the Merciless. So the one shots that are coming out with featuring the various evil versions of Batman, they're actually going to be wrapping up very soon here. I believe we're like two or three weeks out from the last one and then we get Batman Lost at the end of November and then not another one until Hawkman found at the end of December. So that stuff is going to be dying down, but there's plenty of other stuff that's coming out because there's a slew of new titles, like I said, that are coming out this month as part of another wave of miniseries. So be sure to check all that stuff out over on the site on a normal basis. So with that, we're going to jump into our comic book reviews, and the very first one we have is Batman. Batman number 33, The Rules of Engagement, Part 1, Script Tong King, Pencils Joel Jones, oh, actually, Pencils, Inks, and Cover Joel Jones, Cover and Interior Color, Jordi Belair. This issue takes place on two fronts. The first front is at Stately Wayne Manor, where everyone is present, all of the, well, I guess with the exception of Tim, of course, is present and sort of wondering where Batman is. There's even a random person named Jay, which took me several pages to realize they were calling Jason Jay, and I think that was probably the first time I've ever heard him referred to as that. But anyways, everyone is present, even the stray dog that Alfred has picked up, and if you recall that story, one Tom King and Eisner. 
Alfred lets loose that Batman's on an illegal mission and he is also engaged to Catwoman and everyone wonders what's happening and they all blame the recent Robin who was or would be Duke and then Damien says it's his fault. On the other front, we have Batman and Selina, well, Batman and Catwoman, traipsing through the desert, trying to find their way to some sort of gate. They meet up with Agent 2, I think he's 2, and basically he says, I'll give you the pathway to get there, but I can't let you get in. Even the Justice League don't want any, they don't want anyone to get past. There's this really hulking man that Batman has to get by and Catwoman ends up taking him out kind of in off panel land though you just see Batman's visual reactions which are pretty funny so everything comes together in the end because Damien when he's saying it's actually my fault and you've got Batman and Catwoman in the desert everything connects because Batman needs to go to Talia, presumably to get permission to marry Catwoman. Can't really tell right now. Meanwhile, uh, Talia seemed to have a bit of a bender in the previous uh, night or issue. Who even knows? And she is told that Batman has arrived and she uh, is combing her hair and says, uh, prepare my swords (laughs) to be continued. Okay. So, I guess my first question is, oh, so many things actually to possibly ask here. But we'll start with the big the big bang at the end, and that's Talia. Did you think that this is where they were going? That when you're seeing them go through, that th- this would be the person that they're seeking out? And why do you think they need her permission, if it's permission that they need? Well, I have to look. I have to answer that from, I guess, two different perspectives. Just from the comic reader who is completely uninformed, I would not have guessed that that's who they were going to seek out. But as the informed person, because I run a website that's about Batman, I already knew that because Tom King had said that they were going to see Talia before the issue came out. So he was kind of hyping his own. He was marketing his own product, let's say, and kind of revealed the the kind of. Whoa, moment. The cliffhanger of the whole issue? Yeah, yeah, exactly, before the issue actually released. But that being said, to answer your second question, though, you know, do I think that they're seeking her permission? No, I don't think it has anything to do with her permission. And this, of course, goes back to some more comments that Tom King has said, which is that they're actually seeking out Holly Robinson, who, for whatever reason, has linked up with Tyel Ghul in the Middle East, and they're looking for Holly Robinson so that... Presumably, they can clear Catwoman's name of these, you know, this gratuitous number of murders that she supposedly has committed. And by seeking out Holly Robinson, I don't, I don't know if they're going to try to bring her to justice. I don't really know because I, it seems a little weird that Catwoman, who has been taking the rap for these murders all this time, is just going to suddenly now have a change of heart and say, you know what? Now that I'm going to get married to Batman, I don't want to have these murders being held over my head. So let's go catch the chick who actually made these murders, who I was basically, you know, doing this for this entire time. So that being said, I can't imagine that that's actually going to happen, but I feel like there has to be some reason. King has said that that's what they're doing is because Robinson and Talia have, have actually linked up 
together and that's why they're actually coming in contact with Talia because she knows the whereabouts of Holly. I don't know why they need to seek her out unless they're trying to clear Catwoman's name, but it just seems like a very strange time, I guess, unless you look at it from the perspective of she's getting married, so she wants she has no problem throwing her friend who she's been taking the rap for under the bus. So Yeah, and I think that, you know, to Stella's question of did I know they were going to see Talia? When I saw Talia at the end, I'm like, oh, that's right. King said they were going to go see Talia. But I, I had kind of forgot it when I was reading it, which was kind of a relief. Um, although we talked about it, I guess I hadn't put it in my head that this was the issue where they were going to go see Talia. I know it was the new story arc and all that. I didn't think it was going to be Talia. I just didn't really know who it was going to be. I knew that this would be some kind of, you know, let's get these guys set up so they can get married type deal. But I think that it's going to be interesting to see because I don't think it matters about Batman and Catwoman getting married. I think it's Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle that will be the more interesting aspect of this, to be honest with you. I mean, Batman and Catwoman are technically both criminals. I mean, how are you going to handle it with Bruce and Selena? I mean, the most wealthy man in Gotham is marrying a notorious thief. That should be interesting. But no, I, I didn't. And it was fine once we got there. Permission? I don't know if I thought it was permission. I was actually trying to figure out in the world of continuity, was this some holdover of them being married in a previous continuity or something like that? Or maybe once they got to see Talia, was it something to do with, with Damien? Or, and then, of course, I realized it was the Holly Robinson thing you were talking about. But I'm not sure what they were doing there. I don't know. I don't. I don't. didn't see it as, as permission. I don't know why they would need that from... Uh, from Tali, unless I said in some version of continuity, Tali and Bruce have been married, unless he needs an annulment, which could be an interesting scene to see Bruce get a, trying to get an annulment or a divorce from Talia. That might be fun. So, I kind of disagree with Dustin. And I understand that Tom King is saying these things, but... It's true. That is true. But remember, Tom King has also admitted that he's lied in solicitations before. And the reason why I disagree with you, number one, I do want to say to listeners that it may seem that I'm wholly uninformed, and I guess you could say that, but it's just because I don't look at solicitations, really, or comic news. I just, I don't like things to be spoiled, really, so I just take the issue as it comes. So everything's like a surprise to me, and I like it that way. Uh, but the reason... That's why that's why Stella comes across as like a listener, basically. Where yeah. She's learning the information just alongside Absolutely. all of you. I like it. But the reason why I don't like it is because Damien is crying. She's a purist. And this is on page 20. And um, that's something that he doesn't really do. But he said, I know my father, why he would want to go to Kadeem before he marries that woman. Kadeem is, that's where she's hiding. So the fact that he's connecting it, I think, has something more to do, like it's something with Talia rather than the Holly Robinson thing. So I'm a little, yeah, I mean, maybe it's both of the things, but why is he the one that's taking on this burden and he knows that's why he's going there when he would have no idea about the Holly Robinson thing? I, yeah, I don't know why. So I was shocked because it was just really weird. We're reading this thing where he's like walking through the desert. Kind of reminded me of Uncharted 3 when Nathan gets dropped. He falls out of that plane. And then you're like spending probably like two to five minutes like walking through the desert. And he's having those mirages. I know, Ed, you know what I'm talking about. I'm, but it I'm seemed, totally get it. I know yeah, what you're doing. But it just seemed like that. I thought, what, what's happening? Why are we reading this in the desert? And then so I was shocked that Talia was appearing and I, I think it might have to do something with you know obviously with Damien so perhaps there's some sort of connection that Bruce and Talia have through Damien that you know he's got to do something maybe not like legally but 
maybe with the cult or, or whatever, the little league of assassins, I don't know. There's been there is a continuity version where where he did marry her, right? Dustin, I'm not making that up, am I? There is, but it's it was like a forced marriage. I believe he was drugged, if I remember correctly. Right. Yeah, I think he was drugged. But we've already seen them bringing two different versions of how Catwoman and Batman met into this Com King story. I think it's all tied in with Metal and Doomsday Clock. Um, I'd be curious to see how they set that up because. I can't remember either, but there was some version where they were married, which would fit into, I think, what Stella's saying. If Batman is kind of honor-bound, maybe, to even if he was forced into a marriage, wouldn't maybe his personal honor code make him seek out some kind of divorce or resolution before he got married again? I'm not sure. I mean, I, I feel like I recently, in the past couple of years, read the sort of the Demon Trilogy Ah, uh, I don't know. And then I was looking back at the orgy page, as I will call it, and I was if, if Holly, w- I was trying to see if Holly was actually there because she was one of the sort of one of the first people I think that came out that was pretty prominent in Batman when Brubaker was doing it. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I don't see her. I mean, she might be in that little tangle of bodies over there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyway, so I was shocked, and I, I think it's got something to do with Talia and Bruce's past relationship more than Holly. But you know, I could be surprised. Uh, the and other I'm, thing, I guess, I have is, to. Yeah? I have to step in. I actually, I, I figured Please. out exactly where the wedding actually was. It, actually, they were married, but Batman didn't consummate the marriage, and that's what happened. So, if you go by the traditions that Roz has, he is married to Talia. Ah. This was in uh, DC Special Series number 15. Um, but basically, okay. he thwarted Roz's plan, and then he, he left. Um, this, was, this, this was years and years ago that this actually happened. So, I mean, like, this is not, you know, any time recently that... This has actually occurred. This was back in 1978, to be very precise. So, yeah. I mean, who knows? Tom Cake could basically pull whatever he wants. If all continuity is open to be used. Yeah. I mean, he could pull from whatever he wants if, if that's the necessity of it. I mean, the problem is if you use this story as a basis of he's looking for an annulment or a divorce or whatever you want to call it, depending on however they go about doing this based off of the specific traditions that were used to, I guess, get them to be married, if you go through and say okay so this has been this is the case and they've been married all this time you have to then go on to say well how did they not end up consummating the marriage if damien exists well, wasn't that a scientific hijinks yes but you would assume that in that you could use science to explain the consummation i don't know i i i'm gonna stick with the holly robinson thing i mean i agree with stella in the regards of she is a prominent character and i mean she was actually catwoman for a good chunk of time but i don't think that it, this is and i'm not saying this because i'm trying to be mean about the character or anything but i just don't think that anybody cares about the character anymore i mean personally when she was catwoman in the series i think it was more frustrated that selena wasn't catwoman i mean she obviously had her reasons for not being catwoman in the series and i don't want to delve into that but i didn't really enjoy holly robinson's tenure as catwoman per se but that doesn't mean that you should just completely ignore the character and pretend like it doesn't exist the other part of it is that i'm almost looking at this from like the 
early New 52 perspective where we suddenly had characters like Cassandra and Steph that were completely ignored. And there was other characters that did exist, but they changed the versions of the character to make it work with their version of whatever they were telling, regardless of who it was telling the stories. So, I mean, that's the thing I'm, I'm thinking is probably happening here with Holly Robinson, that nobody currently within the administration at DC, I say administration very loosely, that is, nobody there cares about Holly Robinson to a degree where they are going to somehow not make these murders. You know, she's become this murderous person already. But yeah, they're definitely going to, I mean, they don't care about her. I mean, that's the reality of it. You talk about weird New 52, though. Don't forget, Cat. remember the first New 52 origin of Catwoman they put out there? The Russian thing? Remember how weird that was? Oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. Then, and then they were just like, didn't happen. Remember how they just like act like they didn't put it out there? But the New 52, they, they tried to make her like a version of a Russian spy. And then just like two issues later, forgot they ever, you know what I'm saying? Like acted like they never did it. So I don't know what whatever version Tom King wants to pick and choose from. He could find some interesting reasons behind all this, I think. My other question was in regards to actually the stately Wayne Manor scene. And I just wondered what you thought about it because if you really nothing much happens. You have Jason wrestling with the dog for several pages, I would say. Damien acting as himself. But I mean, was it nice to see the bat family all together and then of course alfred i guess breaking the breaking the news there or do you think i don't know was it just filler was was it necessary and take that first please was it necessary there's a dodgeball line i could use there but i'm not going to astute listeners will understand the dodgeball line joke necessary no i don't think it's it's absolutely necessary i mean it is necessary at some point for the rest of the Bat family to realize that they're going to get married if it's ever going to happen. It was like what I call good filler. I find that anytime the characters, especially the family, interact, and especially the brothers, I mean, I know they're not technically brothers, but the Robin brothers interact. I mean, to me, I like that. Mm. You know, I like the, the brothers interacting. Even seeing Duke get to interact with him a little bit. The banter back and forth was fun. Stella was like, Jay. And then was like, I'm like, what's well, Jason, right? Like, I'm like, I was reading, I'm like, I'm like, that's Jason, right? Why the hell are they calling yes, him Jay? Yes, thank yeah, you. Like that, uh, I've never heard. I don't even know where that came from. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. It's just weird. I don't, I don't, I mean, he's always been Jason, but I, I, I like it. Was it, was it necessary? Probably not. But yeah, when you have this kind of like morose, we're walking through the desert and having to kill our horse and we're walking some more through the desert. It's kind of like, you know, like super depressing. Like, why are they... Why are they on horses? He's a billionaire. Take a plane or a car. You know what I'm saying? Or a car or anything else. Why horses? That does, 15 hour ride on a horse? Like, and the other ones died, so they've been out there for like 30 hours on horses? That doesn't seem very smart, you know? Given the weighty stuff we dealt with in the book, I thought it was fun. Um, I did like how some of the poking back and forth, well, aren't you Robin now? Aren't you supposed to take care of that? No, I'm not Robin. He's Robin. Like, um, necessary for the story? No, but I have to admit that. That part with the brothers was my favorite part of the story because I thought it was entertaining and I love that that true family type interaction. My take is this. There's a lot of filler no matter what 
the issue is about when it comes to Tom King. I mean, there just is. This, though, seems as if the idea with the stuff of the desert scenes was specifically meant for two reasons. One that is somewhat logical and one that I think is un- illogical, which is the, the first one is by having these desert scenes, you give the ability to Joel Jones to draw something that's not otherwise been able to be seen. You don't see Batman in sunlight very often unless he's teamed up with the Justice League. Red Rain! In sunlight. Sounds like a vampire. I'm just saying sunlight, daylight, whatever. You don't see him in the daylight very often when, when unless he's with the Justice League by him, when he's by himself, or in this case with Catwoman. Most of the time we've seen Catwoman and Batman even together, we see the two of them on rooftops in the middle of the night. We don't see them in daylight. So that being said, you also don't see them in a, in a desert all that often. So, I mean, this is a very unique, different take on Batman. Now, the illogical reason is, I don't know if anybody noticed, but if you notice what Batman was wearing, it is very similar to what Ben Affleck Batman was wearing in that nightmare sequence. Movie Batman, yep. for sure. Or yeah. Red a Superman. Yeah, Red Sun. Yep. Red Sun. So, I mean... I don't know if the point was to try to get that into continuity. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know, but that's the only thing. I mean, that, that's why I said it's an illogical reasoning. I don't, I don't really think that's a good reasoning behind doing something like that. I do agree with Ed that the best parts of this book were the actual interactions between all of the boys. It's slightly inconvenient, though, that this issue didn't take place just one issue later because tim drake came back well as we'll get to it in detective comics he's now actually back back so he could have been part of this you know this interaction too if just conveniently they would have waited just one more issue to have this happen or Mm. somehow figure out a way for tim drake to be back so they could have had all the the i guess bat boys interacting with each other at the same time so that's the only thing that I, i guess i'm kind of i wouldn't go as far as to say upset but kind of you know is a negative view in my mind is i just wish that tim was there but that being said i still think that that was probably by far the best like just seeing them interact seeing them all like in their own personalities that part of it was done very well and i will say that even though the the desert stuff was a little drawn out and I kept thinking to myself, as Ed was saying, you know, he could have taken a plane. I'm thinking, yeah, you just halo drop or, you know, parachute in or something. I mean, this is common sense. Who actually takes a a horse on that long of a trip? And then, but I will say that the entire time I was reading the comic and reading, you know, while they were on horse, I kept thinking of the old song, On a Horse with No Name. Yeah, Walk Desert Through on the a horse Desert with no on name. a Horse. Yeah. So I remember, yeah. I, I kept thinking of that song. I kept thinking, maybe this is what he was listening to when... When he was writing the issue, I don't, I don't know. I don't have any idea why he would have chosen to take a horse, but whatever. Unless they're just trying to... Pl- well, I mean, he might be in an area where he can't fly over it. I don't know. Maybe. Or, I mean, there's a bunch of different reasons. I mean, the other part of it could be he's just trying to hold true to that Scott Snyder disdain for horses that was so relevant in... Um, the bat, the original Batman series in nineteen er, from New Fifty Two, where Scott Snyder had Batman punching horses. I will say, I I think I also liked it a great deal, but what didn't work for me is just that it's juxtaposed with the desert scene, and I think it weakens it. Like these two things just don't seem to fit together. I understand, you know, them learning about it and the engagement, and then we've got, I guess, their 
little journey that involves the engagement, but it just seems like really weird to try to put these two together. And I almost would have liked, you know, what would a whole issue, you know, a slower issue with just the Robins and I don't know, them daydreaming about what this could be or something like that, like a fun issue to sort of break away and then do the desert stuff, like in a little interstitial or something. But I think the desert almost weakened, weakened the, uh, the interactions here but it was funny because it's it was a little tongue-in-cheek because he asks um alfred is saying that uh he's about to tell them something and then uh dick is saying let me guess he's been keeping another deep dark secret from everyone and then duke says all his friends and colleagues who trusted him and then jason says and now that secret threatens to destroy everyone and everything and damien says obviously so that's totally because we talk about that all the time because you had death of the family you had batman and robin eternal where this heat there's some sort of secret that threatens them. You just had it with uh, Batman and Catwoman and it's threatening their love affair. So I thought that was a lot of fun that Tom King was pretty much like poking fun at him as well as other writers that had come before. Final quick question. Do you think we're going to see Batman go up against the Justice League in here, in, in this in this storyline? I, I don't know if that's... I, I mean, I honestly can't figure out exactly the direction we're going. I know the next couple issues solicit different version I, I know that he's going to come in contact with Superman and Wonder Woman and I assumed I didn't delve too far into the solicitations I just remember seeing the cover art but I assume that he's going to be expressing what's going on and telling them hey this is what's going on I vaguely remember reading or seeing something saying that we're going to be seeing Damien facing up against Superman for some reason I don't have any idea what that is or what, why that's happening? Shouldn't they already be facing off against each other in Super Sun? Yes, that's true. Um, but I, I don't, I don't really know why that would be happening over in Batman. But I'm guessing it's going to be Bruce telling the different members of the Justice League that he's getting married. But it might just be the Trinity too. I can't sit here and say that I would see the necessity for Bruce to go to like Simon Baz and Jessica Cruz and say, "Hey, guess what? I'm getting married." Unless he needs their help with the wedding. Maybe. I mean, like, I just don't see it. They don't, he doesn't have a relationship with them. Like, they haven't really built up any sort of, like, you know, actual relationship outside of being a member of the Justice League. Not like they have done it with, with specifically Wonder Woman and Superman. Even just in the pages of Trinity, they've done a good job of building that relationship between the three of them up. So, I mean, like, there's that. I mean, I don't really see the necessity. I mean, maybe Flash because of the stuff that we had recently with the button. Maybe. But that's that's the only ones I could really think of at this point. Yeah. Flash. I mean, Cyborg and him aren't shown as having a super close relationship. I don't know. I mean, are we? I mean, I think we will see them. I, what I don't want this story to become is an issue every two weeks where Bruce tells someone he's marrying Selena Kyle, and we get twelve pages of their reaction to him getting married. Right, because. It, mm. But doesn't that seem like that's the same? Like the same version of the story would happened when Damien died. Yeah. And then each issue was just Batman dealing with another member of the Justice League. Or another member of some, you know the Bat family, they completely skipped over the Bat family. I guess Bat Bruce is not. It's not important for him to actually give the information to the Bat Boys himself. Alfred can just deliver that information to everybody and just say, "Hey, this is what's going on." I think I do. I, I kind of myth by that. I, like I, that's what's going to happen. It does. It does. It does feel like that's what's going to happen. But it's just kind of like 
I mean, I know the story arc is not going to be going on for very long. I think it's only like a month and a half, or uh, I think it's like two and a half months. So it's not nearly as long as like War of Jokes and Riddles by any means. Jokes? Um, but that being said, I still... I still think it's weird that he, if in any book it would make sense for him to, you know, go and spend an issue telling somebody that he's getting married. But the fact that they're going to actually focus on Superman, Wonder Woman, but they just left the entire Bat family to be told by Alfred is just kind of like, wow, really? Not even left to be told by Alfred. Remember, in the book, it makes a really clear distinction, which is Alfred was told not to tell. That's true. That's true. So. Not only was it not like, hey, Alfred, tell him I'm getting married. He left and said, don't even tell him. Which makes zero sense. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. The way this would have worked for me, the way this whole story of telling everyone would have worked for me, I'm not talking about the Tali Al Ghul part of the story because I'm not even sure, honestly, what that story is yet. But the only way this story of Bruce tells X amount of people that he, he's getting married is if he had pulled in the people he cared about. Dick... Jason, Damien, Clark, Diana, you know what I'm saying? Like, got everyone over to the house and said, I got an announcement with me with me and Selena. Like, because that sounds more authentic, doesn't it? To how he yeah. would do it. And, or they could have even done the cheesy routes of something I could have seen in, like, maybe the late 90s where they just have, like, everybody at a party and they're like, yay, congratulations. Like I could, and then it's just resolved, and then it's done. You don't even have to focus on those emotional elements between each character that he's he's dealing with. But I don't know. Like it just it bugs me that he's going to spend time. It, like the very first thing he needs to do is not tell the his the people that he ha- has had in his home that he's been his sons. He has to go find his baby mama <laughs> and go tell her for whatever reason. I, I mean, I. I just don't get it. All right. All right. Anyway, that being said, I'm going to give Batman a total of three and a half out of five. Three out of five. And that rating is predicated only on the fact I like seeing the brothers talking. Three out of five. Over on the website, Matthew gave it four. So that's going to give Batman a total of three and a half out of five Batarangs. Let's move into our next book, Detective Comics. Detective Comics number 967, written by James Tynion IV, art by Alvaro Martinez. The issue starts off with Bruce obsessively replaying footage of Tim's death. Alfred begs him to sleep, and he replies that Tim must have assumed that he was coming for him, but he didn't. Suddenly, Alfred notices that Tim's distress beacon lighting up on their board, and the Batmobile roars out of the Batcave. In a hospital, an unconscious Tim walks into the ER. Just before passing out, Batman pulls up as they resuscitate Tim. Changing quickly into street clothes, he barges into the hospital room and orders them out since he owns the hospital. Tim weakly greets Bruce, and they embrace. Bruce wants Tim to heal, but Tim warns him of his dark future self, asking about Batwoman. Meanwhile, a buzz cut, Bet Kane is catching up with her cousin Kate. Oh my god. Though Bet wants in on the team as Flamebird, Kate is still strict about her staying out of costume until she's sure she's ready. Kate receives a call to the Belfry and leaves a disgruntled Bet. At the Belfry, Cass hugs Tim fiercely as Kate arrives. He fills them in on the future self's plan to kill Kate, then asks about spoiler. Steph, meanwhile, swings back to her secret lair. She greets her own trophy case of her father's coolmaster guys, sadly, and tracks 
global crime. Unbeknownst to her, future Tim Batman is hiding in the shadows and apologizes quietly before leaving. Steph hears something, but Batman is already gone. Kate, in the cages that held her father and the colony captives just months before, is not happy, but Tim insists that his future self is coming for her. He reveals that he planned to call the team the Gotham Knights, and Luke finally gets an answer to his first question from the Victim Syndicate arc. Bruce and Tim confer about what they think future Tim's plan would be, and they realize he'd go home to Wayne Manor. Future Tim meets Alfred in the greenhouse. They hug, but before Tim can ask Alfred's advice on whether to pursue pursue his dark plan to prevent him from becoming Batman, Nightwing, Red Hood, and Robin arrive to send him back to the future. Future Tim holds his own since he's been fighting simulations of the three Robins in his own timeline for 15 years. When Red Robin, Tim, and Batman arrive, he reveals his reason for coming to the Batcave is to activate the Brother Eye program. Alright, so, first thing I want to talk about is the reintroduction of the character and introduction of the character as part of Rebirth. This is the first time that Kane has appeared in any book, whether it be this book that has Batwoman in it or Batwoman's own uh, solo series. Um, but she specifically mentions Flamebird, said she wants part of the team. I feel like that is obviously a direct call out that Flamebird could end up on this team in the future. We've seen this before with other characters randomly appearing. Azrael is the one that jumps out immediately at me that he appeared uh, very briefly in Leslie Tompkins' clinic and then just a couple of story arcs later he was part of the team and having a whole story arc dedicated to his character. So the interesting thing here is based off of just these few pages, do you think that Flamebird, Beck Kane, is going to be done justice based off of what we can see here? Well, we don't get a lot here to make the judgment of, to be honest with you. It's obvious that she still has the military training. I'm assuming that all the Batwoman New 52 storylines are intact. I'm assuming so, too. I mean, assuming so, I, there's nothing here that directly contradicts it. I think they'll be fine with it. I mean, she's an interesting character. She was really good in that Batwoman book. Um, she is a bit of a loose cannon, you know. And quite frankly, I think that if we get her on the team and that gets Azrael off the team, I no, think that would be fine. I, and I think I think they do fine with her. It's, I, I mean, JT has has done pretty good with characters. He's been really good with cast, and I was afraid how he handled that. So I'm the writer does not scare me that he would not do the character justice. I I really liked seeing her again. I was super excited, and this was something that I had asked Marguerite Bennett when I saw her at Comic Con, just because I I feel like that would be a good entrance for her as well. So I almost. Well, if she comes on the team, I hope that she pops up over in Batwoman, but I would almost like her to have, to see that connection again, that reconnection between Kate and Bet. But, you know, thinking back to when she was in the J.H. Williams and the Hayden Blackman run, they had a good relationship, but it was also very tense. And Kate really expected a lot out of her. And, you know, bad things happen. I remember she had like a like a scythe I think or something like that to the gut and then you thought oh no is she going to die so I I think all of that seems to clearly be present because in this you know it's a nice happy reunion but then there's still some tension there because Kate is saying like no to her basically and Bet is saying but you know I'm doing this training and everything and then you see Kate walk away and, and Bet is there so I think all that emotion is definitely there and I have hopes I have hopes that she 
comes back because I almost want her to disobey because the alternative is that she goes back to West Point. She finishes up and then it's like a year until we see her again. But I would almost want her. I know you want to get rid of whatchamacallit. Um, Ezreal, yeah, that guy that you disdain, you have dis- such disdain for. Um, but I, I really would like her to, I would like to see her entrance in the Batwoman title first and then perhaps cross over here. But I would allow it if maybe there's something big that happens with Jake again. So if Jake is the centerpiece, then I think it would be good to have like a sort of a family triangle. But so far, I liked what she did here or how we saw her. And she's the original Batgirl. Bat Dash Girl, yeah. All right. So the other thing I want to talk about, just to, I guess, shoot my my thoughts on Flamer. I, I agree. There's not a whole lot to go on here, but I think Stella's got a good idea with the idea of going the route of having her appear in Batwoman, building up the character a little bit more before coming over here. It also would show a little bit more cohesion amongst the books by having something like that happen and having the perfect opportunity for one of those little editor's notes that I absolutely love when they say, hey, you want to know why this is? Go check out this book because it cross-promotes their own titles, which they should do more of. But the other thing I want to talk about, this is more of a comment. I thought it was kind of cool that Tim said that the name that he intended the team to be called was the Gotham Knights, mostly because, I mean, as much as I'd love to sit here and say Bat Family is a great name. It's not really a name. It's just a, 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 a way to describe a group of people, but it includes way more people than were actually part of this team. So I like that there was actually a team name that he had. I'm not real sure what the reasoning behind or the necessity of saying I was going to call the team this, but I never got around to it. It just seems very strange, just trivial dialogue just to have there, but whatever. I thought it was kind of cool. The big thing that I kind of want to talk about is the fact that the other members of the Bat Family actually show up with Jason, Dick, and Damien showing up to actually deal with the future version of, of Tim in at Wayne Manor. I thought that was kind of interesting because it brings in characters that we really haven't seen in the pages of these books outside of that Night of the Monster Men crossover that we had. These other characters, Damien and 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 Dick and Jason, they haven't been in the book, and it acknowledges that they exist. And it's not to say by any means that, you know, because there's they, they exist, they should be featured more often, but it's nice to know that there is no need to have any concern about whether or not these characters can be used or not because a lot of times it feels as if when a character is not focused on in a book or not even mentioned, they just they just ignore them. And I'm glad that this is happening. And of course, I, I went into this book knowing that this was going to happen because Tynan had actually said something at New York Comic Con that these characters were going to be popping up very soon. He didn't say when, but I figured it was going to be happening fairly soon. Did you guys enjoy the fact that the three of them showed up to kind of attempt, at least, to take down Future Tim? And I, I thought it was pretty amusing that Future Tim was just like, I can take you all down, no problem. I had, a, I had a little bit of mixed feelings about this, not because I didn't like seeing him in the book. I liked seeing him in the book. Uh, two things, I, I love seeing him in the book, obviously, but a couple things when I saw him in the book. One was the, uh, why do we have a Bat Family book and these guys are never in it, except for a special appearance. I mean, that's maybe nitpicky, but anytime you have a Bat Family team book, I think that these characters should, you know, my hope would be when we put this team together and instead of we've had Azrael as the star of an, of an arc and then Bat, Fly Bat, Iron Bat, I can't remember his name right now, Batwing as part of an arc and Clayface the center of an arc. 
and Cass, the center of an arc, which I don't dislike as much because I think Cass is more focal. But I was hoping that we'd have the guest stars would be this arc featuring Nightwing, this arc featuring Jason, this arc featuring, you know what I'm saying? So seeing them together, that, that was only like, yeah, it's great to see them in the book. I wish they were in the book more. But seeing them together kind of gave me like, well, why do I have a team full of Azrael and Iron Bat when I could have these guys? Also, the fact that these three guys, when they operate outside the pages of their own independent books, always seem to be rolling together. You guys ever notice that? That's true. Like, like Jason should be off with his own team, and Dick should be doing whatever Dick's up to. And right, he should be off in Bloodhaven. Damien's always with either John Kent or Teen Titans. So the fact that like these three always like come rolling in together, it's like you guys are in your own worlds. Like maybe you met up first, then you came in, but I think it may have been smarter to have Dick show up, and then maybe later. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, do it in stages, especially with the way that was written here, where he has been able to face. He's been facing simulations of them. It would have made more sense if he would if he would have met them in stages rather than just the three of them at the same time. When I saw him come, I'm like, they're together again, and and this is on the heels of just having read Batman the week before, right? Where they're together at Wayne Manor. It's like, are these guys just when we don't see them, are we just assume they're just chilling together? So. I love seeing the characters, but I did think that was weird. I'm I'm just upset that no one told Stephanie that he was back. There she is all on her own. And he's wondering where she is. That's like the worst thing ever. That You know what that this reminds me of? It's like the prodigal son. Because, you know, the, the younger son comes back after he was wallowing in the dirt with the pigs. And he comes back. And there's a celebration going on. And guess who's still out in the field? The older son who never left. So it's very similar to that. Stephanie is I, just hanging out. Wow. What? Do you I would disagree not go with that? I that far as to say that no Steph is the Stephanie. good son who's back and kept working the entire time. <laughs> well, she didn't leave, did she? Well, that I would. I think that she probably thinks that <laughs> I don't that think way. Tim left either. I don't think he went and went partying with the pigs in the mud. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the metaphor... He was locked up the, in a prison, the, by the way. It, it only works to a certain extent. But it just reminds yes. me because everyone's yes. partying, but no one's telling They're ignoring, the other yes. They're ignoring somebody. Yeah. Yes. Um, but no, it's always nice to see them all together. It's a little confusing seeing two different Tims. And also, I, I'm sorry, seeing two different Batmans. Because... I was trying to figure out at the bottom of page 20 um, why one Batman is saying no and then the other Batman is smiling and saying yes, basically. So, but I had to sort of connect. But, and also, the other thing is the brother eye situation and now I regret not having read all of, what was that storyline? Olmec Project? Um, not that one necessarily. The one that created like all the future stuff and Oh, Future's End. Future's End, yeah. So I regret not, because I feel like this is tying into that, basically. But no, it's always nice to see the Bat family together, and it was a nice connection between this and Batman to see them out of the costume in Batman and in the costume here. Yeah, and just piggybacking off of that Brother Eye stuff, I don't know that it's directly connecting specifically to Future's End. I mean, definitely Brother's Eye was a huge part of that series, but I... The thing is, Tim doesn't go back and become Batman or Batman Beyond in that actual timeline until later on. It feels like this is a different timeline because, I mean, obviously it has to be a different timeline. He's he's not Batman Beyond. uh, Yeah, he's Batman. He's not Batman Beyond. And this is also taking place much further in the future. He specifically says in this 
issue to Alfred, I'm a few decades older than Whoa. the last time you saw me. So, I mean, there's there's that aspect of it. And in the Future's End timeline, which was just supposed to be five years into the future, Tim actually goes into the future to become Batman Beyond. So he doesn't actually age like this. So it's not exactly the same, but it is weird. There is that connection, obviously, because Tim Drake and Brother Eye, and there's that connection that seems to keep being drawn upon with Brother Eye and Tim Drake. I don't know exactly what the you know what the desire to have those two you know th- those two things connected but it seems like there's there's a reasoning behind it um the last thing i wanted to talk about real quickly is if you're not paying attention to solicitations you might not have much to say about this coming in december the end of december there's going to be a crossover that's kicking off in super sons teen titans and superman written by peter tomasi and the solicitations read that there's a batman from tomorrow or from the future, I think it's actually phrases from tomorrow. Batman from tomorrow appears and has to take down John Kent in order to stop some horrible, massive, bad thing from happening. And the solicitations for December was basically he comes and he goes to take him out and then he has to face off against the Teen Titans and Damien because they're just obstacles to get to John. January rolls around. And the crossover continues, and actually the cover of one of the Superman issues was actually revealed, and it shows the Batman of tomorrow. And a lot of people immediately had connect or were connecting the fact that this Tim Drake Batman from tomorrow that's appearing in Detective Comics is probably the Batman from tomorrow that's going to be appearing in this Super the Super Sons crossover that's happening next month. Now, the thing is, the costume that was revealed in the pages of, or on the cover of that Superman issue, which we have in the cover gallery for the solicitations on the website, if you're wanting to know what I'm talking about for those listeners out there, it doesn't seem to be Tim Drake. So I'm wondering, just based off of either you guys read the solicitations or you didn't read the solicitations, do you think that the Brother Eye stuff and the link between this Tim Drake Batman from the future and the fact that we're getting a Batman from the future in another story crossing over in another aspect of the DC universe just a month later. Do you think it's likely that it is Tim Drake or it's the same Batman or do you think it's somebody else? And if it is somebody else, do you feel like that's a little too many Batmans from the future in such a short amount of time? I I do hope it's Tim Drake only because it makes me think that they've plan this stuff out together like they sit in the big room and they plan out storylines they work together but we all know that's not true well it's not always true i think it is true sometimes but it's definitely not always true it's not always true i should say that's that's a better way to put it um i don't think it is i i I, the stories have been really self-contained recently the brother eye thing i mean it's really stupid brother eye has been a string that's ran through dc comics for a long time yeah you know like he, Brother Eye was a major part of Final Crisis, and even before that, Brother Eye was mentioned. You know what I'm saying? And Infinite Crisis too. And if, yeah, I mean, I mean, Brother Eye's been around a long time, so that could be really going anywhere. Um, I wish it was Tim. That way, we could just have like a bigger, wider story. But right now, we have a lot of Batman running around. I mean, look at all the one shots: the Dark Multiverse Batman, the regular Batman, Tim Drake Batman, another Batman. I mean, a lot of Batman running around right now, and I think that. Maybe everyone's having fun with this stuff right now. This is how I've been looking at it because we've seen this title and in other titles in the DCU. Lots of these time traveling hijinks, uh, alternative backstories, 
uh, deep dives on characters. I think they're starting to do this stuff because when Doomsday Clock is all said and done, I think we're going back to a definitive timeline. There'll still be a multiverse, but I think we're going to go back to a definitive timeline and we're going to be getting rid of all these extra versions of, of creatures and, and uh, characters. And I think people are just getting them out of the way now, but I still can. I'm hoping that it's Tim because I do think it's a little too many Batman running around, though it's not like it'd be the first time that we've had multiple Batman running around. Um, so I, we, we certainly could, but then the question is, well, who is this other guy? So I, I think, you know, stick with what we have and, and develop that for sure. All right. So I'm going to say that I, I don't think it's the same Batman, but... I would I would hope that like Ed said that it's Tim Drake just so that there can be that interconnection and I'd love to believe that there is just one massive writers room at DC where everyone tries to link their stuff together but I know that's not the case and honestly it's amazing how sometimes like especially with this everything that's been going on with Dark Knight's Metal and all of these multiple crossovers and all of the books I'm just I'm just glad that those have actually linked up in a way that actually makes sense or at least partial sense because honestly that entire crossover is pretty crazy to begin with but that being said i would love for it to be tim but i don't feel like it is if anything other than just the fact that he's he's wearing a different costume and and obviously batman has different bat suits that he could wear that's not it's that's not like too far-fetched as to say that couldn't happen but i just feel like at this point in time it would make more sense to have it not be a different costume if if the character just appeared. Or if this Batman gets sent back to the future and then he comes back and he's even older and he's more of like a, a Tim Drake from the Dark Knight Returns time. For, not time, I shouldn't say that. This is so far-fetched with all these like weird timelines and everything, but picture tim drake as old as bruce wayne was when he was in dark knight returns and then he comes back and then he has to basically stop john kent that could that could make more sense because then it actually i don't know that just to me it will make a little bit more sense anyway this issue i'm going to give a total of four out of five bed rings oh man oh uh, i think you liked it a bit more than me uh three and a half out of five yeah three and a half out of five all right, so over on the website, Ian gave it four, so that's going to give Detective Comics a total of three and a half out of five betterings. That is all of our in-depth reviews. Let's jump over to the website for Greater Gotham. Main TBU Books, starting off with October 18th, Main TBU Books. We already talked about Batman number 33, Nightwing number 31. Raptor continues his plans for revenge by attacking Blockbuster as Nightwing loses another ally. This is by Paul. He gave it one and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Abstain. Neutral. Batwoman number eight. Batwoman joins forces with Colony Prime to escape the Scarecrow, but he has other ideas. This is by Jim. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Harley Quinn number 30. As Harley starts to gain in the polls, Poison Ivy assists her in an over-the-top method to take on Harley's campaign promise of park reclamation. This was you by David. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Mm, neutral. Abstain. 
Secondary TBU books, Batman the Drowned, number one, Bryce Wayne, the Drowned Batman, floods our world with dead water, overwhelming Aquaman. This is by Ian. He gave it two out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Uh, thumbs down. I really didn't like this one. Abstain. Main DC Universe books, Super Sons number nine, Superboy and Robin, along with their heroes of the mysterious planet, take their final stands against Yargadis. This is by Jessica. She gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Thumbs up. Justice League number 31. As the story arc comes to a close, the kids from the future assist the Justice League in defeating the darkness. This is by Jim. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs down. This story lost me. I'm glad it's over. Neutral. Titans number 16, as the Titans continue to face adversaries from every direction, they must cope with the death of one of their own as the real traitor is revealed. This is by Jim. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Trinity number 14, Cersei reveals her true plans while Batman finds a way to try and save the day. This is by Adele. He gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Secondary DC Universe books, Bombshells United number 4, which includes digital chapters number 7 through 8, the Bombshell versions of Clayface, Basil Carlo, and the General Ulysses Armstrong and the Mud Pack all appear in the issue. Green Arrow number 33, Black Canary and Kate Spencer both appear in the issue. Injustice number 12, which includes digital chapters number 23 through 24, the Injustice versions of Batman, Bruce Wayne, Damian Wayne, Batgirl, Barbara Gordon, Harley Quinn, Alfred... Raz al Ghul, Athanasia al Ghul, and Talia al Ghul all appear in the issue. And then Teen Titans Go, number 24, which includes digital chapters number 47 through 48. The Teen Titans Go of version of Dick Grayson appears in the issue. Moving over to October 25th, main TBU books. We already talked about Detective Comics. Batgirl number 16, Batgirl and Nightwing finally uncover the identity of the Red Queen and her relation to Ansley Wells. This was reviewed by Adele. He gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral, and I was really disturbed by Batgirl without a cow. I didn't like that. Uh, Neutral. Batman Beyond number 13, set in the days following Brother Eye's defeat, Terry acclimates to the new status quo in Neo-Gotham. Faced with a citywide threat, he teams up with some unlikely allies. This is you by Bill. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Thumbs up. Mother Panic number 12. Violet is the prisoner of the evil blood artist Gala. Can she escape Gala's clutches and further her quest for vengeance against those who would hurt the innocent? This is by Jerry. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 Batman the Merciless number one. On a dark multiverse planet, Batman watches his love Wonder Woman die and then fuses with Ares to become the Merciless. This was reviewed by Corbin. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. It's a bunch of poop. Abstain. Right. <laughs> it's not poop if you abstain. Just saying that. Uh, Nightwing, the new order, number three, Dick Racing goes on the lamb to save his son from the society that he set him set up himself. This is you by Ian. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Thumbs up. Main DC Universe books, Justice League of America number 17, Ray Palmer's Adventures in the Microverse have drawn to a close, and the team is poised to save the day. This is reviewed by Matthew. He gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs down. Neutral. Teen Titans number 13, after having lost the leadership of the Teen Titans, Robin goes out to recruit a new member for the team. Meanwhile, the team tries to encourage Kid Flash to return back to the team. This is reviewed by Bill. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Neutral. 
Suicide Squad number 28, the Suicide Squad's mission in space continues as they meet Rick Flagg Sr. and embark on a mission to the moon. This is you by Paul. He gave it 2.5 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Abstain. DC House of Horror number 1, a collection of horror-themed stories showcase a variety of TBU characters in time for Halloween. This is you by Matthew. He gave it 1.5 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Abstain, I think, rated. Abstain. And then secondary DC Universe books, The Flash number 33, part of the Bats Out of Hell crossover from Dark Knight's Metal. Flash, along with most of the Justice League, try to take back their world from the Dark Knights, but end up being outmatched. Gotham City Garage number 2, which includes digital chapters number 3 through 4, the Gotham City Garage version of Jason Todd appears in the issue. The Hellblazer number 15, Batman appears alongside the Justice League in the issue. Wonder Woman number 33, Batman appears alongside the Justice League as the events of Dark Side War are revisited. Finally, we have TBU trades and hardcovers that have released over the past two weeks. Batgirl Volume 2, Son of Penguin trade paperback, Grace the Super Spy Omnibus hardcover. Harley Quinn, A Rogues Gallery, the Deluxe Cover Art Collection hardcover. JLA, the Nail slash Another Nail Deluxe Edition <gasps> hardcover. The Nail. Suicide Squad, the Rebirth Deluxe Edition Book 1 hardcover. Batman Night of the Monster Men trade paperback, Nightwing the Rebirth Deluxe Edition Book 1 hardcover, Justice League of America A Midsummer's Nightmare Deluxe Edition hardcover, and then Injustice 2 Volume 1 hardcover. So that is everything that's released over the past two weeks. Anything that we gave up, down, or neutral ratings to, those have full reviews and synopses over on the website. So be sure to check out those those past issues as well as future issues coming in the next couple of weeks. We review all of these bat books for you to check out and give them ratings and detailed analysis of every single one of these issues. So I encourage you to head over to the website and check them out as well as leave comments on whether or not you agreed with the reviewer's uh, review or whether or not you disagree with them. Uh, create a conversation by chiming in whether you like those issues or not. In addition to the comic reviews over the past two weeks, we had one new editorial that's comic-based for you to check out. Uh, there was one the, the next part of Donovan's Spotlight on Tim Drake, uh, Part 3, has posted. This deals with everything from Nightfall up into... Uh, up through Nightfall, I should say. Uh, so the entire event of Nightfall is explored. This is a humongous article. If you haven't taken a look at any of the articles, this is the third part. Obviously, it's on the website for good, so you can definitely check that out. In the coming weeks, the next version of his his next part will be covering the conclusion of Nightfall, Dick and Tim working together, and more adventures with spoilers. So be sure to look for that in the coming weeks. So with that, we're going to jump straight into our listener Q&As. <laughs> Boy, did you get a wrong number. Leave your message at the sound of the shriek. No, please, don't! <laughs> we do have a, just a couple of listener Q&As. Some of them are a little bit longer. I should say a lot longer than others. But we're going to get to them. So the very first one we're going to start off with is from a comment that was left on YouTube from someone who goes by the name Dark Knight. Shouldn't he be ashamed of letting the war happen in the first place, causing a lot of casualties, including Kite Man's son? 
also joining Riddler's team, who is a child murderer and fighting for his side. Did the Riddler plan on getting shot by the Joker, potentially killing him and ending his stupid plan? Wasn't the whole point of the war jokes and riddles to kill Batman? What about the one billion dollars? One billion dollars. I think the entire arc was just filler for Selena's answer. I'm personally not a huge fan of Tom King's take and interpretation of Batman, so I'm worried about Bruce's Bruce and Selena's relationship. All right, so let me just dive into this because I, I know the next couple comments have a lot to do with War of Jokes and Riddles because obviously that wrapped up last episode and people's likes or dislikes of Tom King's writing. I, I'll say this. I probably was a little bit blind, blinded by the yes answer that Selena gave because oh. I didn't actually expect it to be happening. But the overall story of Warren Jokes of Riddles was not very good. I mean, we, we talked about this last episode, and I don't think that our ratings by any means said that you know it was amazing. I mean, I gave it a three and a half, but it was more based off of that specific issue. was more based off of the idea that the issue dealt with her saying yes, and that's what made me happy. I do have a lot of concerns about the future of what's going to happen because I don't know... It, Here's the problem. Tom King has said he wants to do 100 issues. And if he wants to do 100 issues and DC keeps him on the book for that long because the book continues to sell, by all means, I don't have any problem with that. But the problem I do have is I don't want this giant story arc that he has intended to tell, meaning that he has, you know, he wants Catwoman to, to he wants Batman and Catwoman to get engaged. Then we're going to go in this big long thing where he goes around telling everybody, hey, I'm engaged. Then we go into the next story arc, which I don't know what that you know we don't know what that is yet. But the next story arc, eventually we get closer and closer to when you expect them to get married. Now it just feels like it's being drawn out, and they're not actually getting married for whatever reason. And then suddenly a conflict arises, or something horrible happens. I won't even go into details of what could happen, but something horrible happens, and the marriage ends up not happening for reasons that could be as little as an argument and as great as a death. That all being said, I don't want something like that to happen, but I feel like if you have this plan for 100 issues and you're only in the first third of the issues and this big thing that is honestly should be a humongous continuity changing thing is going to be played out for the next 60 something issues, it can't be played out for that long. That's a long, long time. I'm sorry, I don't want that to happen. I mean, there's only 24 issues coming out every year of Batman. So if Tom King stays on Batman, he'll have to be on the title for at least just over four years before they can actually get to 100 issues. And that's not because they do them twice a month. Right, and that's only right. That's only, that's if they continue doing that at twice a month, exactly. So the thing is, I just... <sighs> We have all voiced our concerns about Tom King's writing style, about how some of his dialogue is completely is very repetitive. See, I am Bane. We've talked about the fact that a lot of his stuff feels like it's thoughts, but it's not actually like fully fledged stories. So the thing is, we look at War on Jokes and Riddles, and like the Kite Man stuff was probably the best stuff that came out of it that didn't deal specifically with Selena's answer and the interactions between Bruce and, and Selena. I think the Kite Man stuff was hands down probably the better stuff that came out of it. But so much of the other stuff just felt like either it was condensed unnecessarily or it was drawn out unnecessarily. And it was like there was no real, you know, there it didn't really feel like there was ever a first act, second act, third act. It And, and part of that might have to do with the fact that the Kite Man stuff 
was very abruptly implanted in this story just to give a little bit more time to Mikkel Jenin on the art. But I don't know, like, the story arc was way longer than it probably needed to be, number one. And I didn't know this, but I just read something recently. The staff was having a discussion about Tom King's writing style, and they were talking, and there was a mention that Tom King originally had pitched this War of Jokes and Riddles to do with Mitch Gerard as a miniseries to DC, and DC was like, well, actually, now that you're doing Batman, we'd rather you just keep doing Batman, just figure out some way of doing it, but then because of that, he couldn't actually do it with, with Gerard's, and then they ended up, the two of them ended up doing Mr. Miracle. I don't know if this would have turned out completely differently if they did it as a miniseries, I don't know, but the way it stood as it was published I don't understand the reasonings, and I mean, like we could, st- I could spend an enormous amount of time discussing the problems with this, but it just, it just didn't work. I'm going to make this really simple. Del- Dustin was more eloquent than I am. Dustin said the kite man stuff and Warren jokes and riddles was the best part of the book, and it probably was. And if you have a story that involves the Joker, the Riddler, and Batman getting married, and Kite Man steals the show, probably wasn't a great story. True that. All right, next comment comes from Bixby. Unfortunately, like all of Rebirth, I've been left very let down by this story arc. With a title like The War of Jokes and Riddles, the potential for an elaborate turf war with chaos and mystery between these two powerhouse villains was completely missed. Instead, we got a dull, droning, slow burn of a story filled with meaningless murder, dinner parties, and attempted face-stabbing. In fact, there is almost no explanation for Riddler's motivation, which means we have Batman's core belief system compromised with plenty of murder, including the death of of a child for literally no reason at all. Ultimately, Bruce should be far more concerned with telling Selina that he got all face-stabby with Riddler, attempting murder, than the fact that Joker stopped him. Why does Riddler need to have Joker laugh? Why would Joker stop face-stabbing Batman from ending the war and ruining himself? Other than Janine's, this arc was a big missed opportunity. Well, she said yes, so there's that. Yeah, I mean, I think we all agree that there was that, and that's kind of the the saving grace of the storyline. But the other thing I want to, I just want to point out is like, despite the fact that this story arc was kind of all over the place as far as what the story was actually being told, it's funny because just those last two comments are basically saying almost the exact same thing. But they posted them on completely different locations, but they're basically saying the exact same thing. And this next comment we have says basically. Everything that both first commenters said, and then a, and then a ton more of the exact same stuff. But the reality of it is that this book still is selling like hotcakes. It's Batman. Yeah, I know it's I know, but the thing is, like you know, there's this funny thing. If you pay attention to sales numbers, and if you don't, I encourage you to do because you can kind of see what's good and what's bad. But sometimes sales numbers are a little bit twisted in a way where it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because Batman. Don't get me wrong, Batman is is obviously a very popular character. We wouldn't exist if Batman wasn't a popular character. That all being said, Diamond distribu- Diamond Distributors actually uses Batman as a index point. As Bat or uh, I shouldn't say Diamond, it's actually Comicron. They use Batman as the specific title to use as the index factor where that is a selling uh, the you know, the not best-selling book, but it is 
very repeatedly had very solid numbers. It doesn't change very much. It doesn't go up and down and all over the place. It doesn't start off at like 200,000 and then drop down to 60,000 issues. It doesn't do that. It, it's, it's very, very consistent. The reason I say that is because if you look at the sales numbers over the past like four months that this storyline has actually been happening, there is not actually a whole lot that has actually changed with the series. In some cases, the series went up just a little bit, and then it went back down, and then it went back up, and then it went right back down, and then I'm just, I'm saying that in one month, it, like, we're talking, like, maybe a difference of, like, 1,000, 2,000 issues, which is it not very much at all, um, and that a lot of it just has to do with the fact that it's a double shipping book, and maybe some, there are some people out there who don't realize that it's selling you know it's 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 on the shelves twice a month but the interesting thing about this is that book regardless of whether or not that story just did not come together as well as i guess anybody had anticipated because i haven't really found anybody out there who has gone man war of jokes and riddles was an amazing story amazing nobody is saying that like everybody has issues with it just like everybody had issues with i am suicide and i am bet i am bane everybody had issues with the button stuff that was in was in the pages of batman like there are issues with everything that has occurred that tom king has done but the book continues to sell really well so the question is if tom king wants to stay on the book for 100 issues and the book continues to sell just the same exactly number of issues as it has been for all this time What's to say he's not going? To, he's ever going to get off the book unless he wants to get off the book? There's no reason for DC to ever replace him. So I guess the question I want to ask you two is: How would something? How how would we ever even get to a point when you put a, a writer like Tom King or Scott Snyder or Grant Morrison on a title like Batman? They're basically there as long as they want to be there because the book doesn't ever really the sales never really drop. I think it's slowly dropping though. I mean, not a lot, but a thousand a month. I mean, that if if you sell a hundred thousand a month and it drops a thousand a month and does a hundred issues, you know what I'm saying? Uh, the net sum would be zero, which we all know isn't going to happen. I just don't see. I don't see anybody staying on a book for a hundred issues. I mean, Snyder was on Batman for fifty issues, and I love Scott Snyder, and that was a long time. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. A hundred issues is just too much. But I think the most important. I don't think he's going to make it. I guess they chip twice now. He's gonna have to really do some soul searching on being creative, and if he wants to keep this gig for 100 issues, and he's capable of it. By the way, like I don't know if you, if any either, either of you read the Omega Men that he wrote, right? It's really good. Um, I'd even argue that some of his other work, like the Mister Miracle book, is good. Well, it's just started. I guess that's a Tom King trap. First four issues are great. Um, I don't know. He's got to do something. I the one comment that Bixby had that I do want to kind of circle on real fast is he talks about Janin's artwork. Janin's artwork was good in more Joe's riddles, you know? So this is a, this is a visual medium. So let's not leave that part out of the creative team that, that his art partner is doing a fantastic job on the book. I, yeah, I don't really know. I mean, fan outcry, I potentially, but the numbers aren't showing fan outcry. So yeah, I, I guess they're, they're on it for the, for the long haul. Yeah, I mean, it just feels like they can be, you know, it's a book to get. And once you get that book, you are set. You are set for as long as you want. I mean, Scott Snyder was on the book for five years. Longer if you include his Detective Comics run. I mean, like, he was on the book for a long time. And then he then jumped over to All-Star Batman, which was just, that was his choice. So technically he was on the book. He was on Batman, a Batman main title for over seven years. 
I mean, you could basically be wherever you want if you sell, you know, if you, as long as you don't do something horribly drastic where you're going to change something that's going to make everybody, turn everybody off. I don't think it's impossible for you to stay on the book as long as you want. But anyway, all right, so moving into our next comment. This one comes from Brett. Now, Brett sent us this as an email, which it will read as an email because it is very, very long. So basically, fortunately, Brett broke this up into topics. So we're going to read through them, and then we're going to go through them by topics, and then we'll kind of talk about each topic. I I will say the majority of his email has to do with uh, War of Jokes and Riddles. And while I would love to talk about War and Jokes and Riddles and how it is not the best story in the world, I think we've done that so much. I don't, you know, we will answer, we'll talk about some certain points that he has in here. But if, uh, Brett, you feel like we did not give your email justice based off of all the talk about War and Jokes and Riddles that we've already had, I apologize. It's just you have a lot to say about War of Jokes and Riddles that a lot of people have said before and that we've said and like i said there are some stuff that we'll we'll talk about so stella go ahead okay hi all this is my first time writing in so i apologize for the length of email ahead of time but i thought it would be a good discussion and i have a lot on my mind i love the podcast just jumped in listening this past year probably probably a little over a year now but great job to all involved and thank you all for what you do Holy rusted metal, TBU. I can't believe you guys have been doing this for almost a decade. That's amazing. It's all because of me, Brett. I just want you to know. (laughs) Congrats to all involved again from the podcast to the reviews, the website, you name it. That truly is dedication and love to all things Batman related. Dare I say, hell yeah. Kite man. So I thought I would write in about a few topics on my mind lately. Please discuss if you have time, share your thoughts, and shame me if need be. I've been a Bat fan most of my life, but I've now read religiously for the past two years, all titles related, and before that periodically as I have had time. I've been catching up on the quote-unquote important new 52 bits and pieces when I have time as well. Anyway, topic number one, War of Jokes and Riddles. From seeing the different reviews from many different reviewers, as well as listening to other podcasts, like a blind man at a urinal, the the reviews on Tom King's War of Jokes and Riddles run all over the place. Huh. Do you think blind men use the urinals? Here's my take. You hope so. Don't you think it'd be better on a toilet? A urinal would be a lot better to aim than a toilet Mm. if you were blind. Unless he sits down on the toilet. That's true. Okay. Here's my take. Again, feel free to shame me if you would like. I feel the, quote, bad reviews, end quote, mainly are coming from a different expectation of what the reader was going to get, meaning it's called a war, and a war was barely seen. Little action was visualized, and it truly didn't seem like a war, but more a discussion about a war. And I personally don't understand this argument towards awarding the run bad. Readers and critics are basing their thoughts off an arc, Readers and critics are basing their thoughts of an arc off the title, and they feel bamboozled. So everyone appears skeptical of Tom King right now. My counter to that argument. Have you ever seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Great movie. You guys should watch it. How about seen the, it. <laughs> how about the Bond movie Quantum of Solace? Not too bad. Te- seen it. Te- oh, seen that's, it. That's, that's not a good movie. It's not the best of the C- Daniel Craig ones, but... 
It's the worst of the Daniel Craig ones. Okay, yeah, I guess I could say. It's of the Daniel so Craig's, boring. it is the it's so boring. I don't know. Sky, yes, no, hands down, hands okay. down. And then I would say Casino. I would say Casino Royale, then Spectre. Okay. And then okay. Quantum of Sauce, the whole motor oil scene. Eh. <laughs> he drank it. They found motor oh, oil man. in his tum tum. How about my favorite Christmas movie, Die Hard? I've seen that too. Me too. It's funny I'm how it's sure a I've Christmas seen all movie. All of these movies, but anyway. Yeah, or even Reservoir Dogs. I don't think there is even a reservoir or a dog mm, in the movie. There's probably a dog somewhere, but it's not. I can't recall if I've seen That's that or true. not. That's true. My point is, I love the movies, but I'm sorry the titles have very little to do with the story. Die Hard was amazing, and I still don't truly know what it means to die hard, or even to die another day, or to die hard with a vengeance, but I still love the movies. Sure, people die in the movie, but the title doesn't match the movie. And sure, we have a war between the Joker and Riddler, but we really don't see a war. They are still great movies, and this was still a pretty good story and frankly tom king's arc had a background centered around the war that just happened to have the title about war it was a war on the surface but the guts were something more much more which is every arc on batman right now the war of poops and giggles i love it the war of poops and giggles to summarize was basically just the reader watching Bruce. Do you think he meant to put poops and giggles? I'm, I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm sure of it. I love you're one of my favorite people now, Brett. I love it. Just it was basically just the reader watching Bruce have the worst pillow talk ever, completely centered around a war to get to his point at the end of the arc. And honestly, Bruce may be great at many things, but I think we can all agree that pillow talk is not his forte. Very true. Selena. Yeah, Selena needed to know Bruce's dirty little secret, and he was leading her as well as the reader there. The war was only a title, and readers shouldn't destroy the arc because he wanted something different, but they should destroy it for the writing and about what was in it, if that makes sense. Don't destroy it because of what you thought was going to be in it or wanted it. I'm sorry so many expected more violence, but in the end, we get a proposal. That dang King M. Night Shamalanga ding-donged us all in the end. Personally... I feel those that wanted a war but got a long-winded proposal, an origin of Kite Man with the war sprinkled around it, that's the art of storytelling, especially Tom King's version of storytelling. How are we surprised? He's been doing this since Omega Men and Vision. Why are all why all the hate now? Is it the Adam Sandler effect? Are we just tired of watching Billy Madison, but as a golfer or as a football player or as the son of Satan or the thousands of other movies that he does that are all the same? Is this what's happening with Tom King right now? All right, so real quick, I will say this. Obviously, the title, War of Jokes and Riddles, I'll just put this to bed right away. Obviously, the title doesn't necessarily have to immediately do with it. I mean, obviously, I got your 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 connections that you're making with the movies there. The movies don't necessarily have to imply the title of the movie or the title of a story does not necessarily have to imply what exactly is happening in the story itself or the movie or whatever. That being said, though... I will say this, when you look at Tom King's other stories, I Am Bane, you know, the, the, the Gotham's, I Am Gotham, I Am Suicide, every single one of those storylines have exactly to do with what is in the storyline. I mean, clearly the Bane storyline is about Bane. Suicide is about suicide and the Suicide Squad that he ends up creating. You have I Am Gotham, which deals not necessarily specifically with Gotham, but more of a character named Gotham and another character named Gotham Girl. 
that being said, I'm not saying that the the story of the war of jokes and riddles needed to dive specifically to with a war and showcase the war happening on each side. I mean, there are issues that have done that in the past. The most notably one that I can remember is in the pages of Catwoman. There was a gang war that was happening where it was Penguin versus Black Mask, I want to say. This was very recently because I remember talking about, I believe, with Ed on the Point Five cast. It was bad. It was yeah. horrible. Every issue was dealing with just Cat- Catwoman running around, having to like dodge attacks from one side to the other side. It wasn't very good. Pouring milk on herself. Yeah, well, there was that too. But there was there was so many weird things that happened in that in that story. But you don't have to have it like that. But I'm just saying, like th- this story just felt disjointed. The problem is we went from. Here's a story about two snipers and how this horrible thing is happening. All these people are dying. To then we go to the origin of Kite Man. To we go to a dinner party, and I, I'm I know I'm you know under detailing exactly what happened, but we go to a dinner party that has nothing to do with Batman. That has Bruce Wayne hosting a dinner party. To going back to Kite Man to wrap up, you know Kite Man's involvement, but kind of tying back into the main story. To this whole you know, finale that takes place that, again, just goes back to the the proposal. It's not that it doesn't deal with the war. It's that the story itself felt disjointed. I'm not saying that I wanted to see the villains fighting each other, but truth be told, there was a ridiculous number of splash pages that featured a lineup of villains facing off against another lineup of villains in multiple issues where they just were standing there looking at each other. What do we need that for? We don't need to see them actually fighting necessarily, but what was the necessity for pages like that to happen other than just to say, hey, look at all the cool villains that are on each team. Look at this. Isn't this awesome? Hey, 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 nudge, nudge, nudge. Really awesome, isn't it? But we never actually see any of those villains actually face off against each other except Deadshot and Deathstroke, and even that's that one was very... Haphazard. Yeah, it was haphazard, and it was kind of like not really there. It was just like, this is happening, and it's horrible, but... You don't actually see them facing each other. You just see them picking off people, and it, it, it's bad, and it's not great, and we know that happens in actual war, but that's not actually them facing off against each other, and nobody really faced off against each other in any way. I mean, that that was my biggest problem with it. it. It didn't have to do with the fact that war wasn't shown necessarily. It was that what was the point of building up one lineup, one team facing off against another team if that actually never happens? Yes, I guess that does delve into, you know, I you know, war actually being shown, but it just felt like what was what was actually needing to be told here if all we were gonna get to was just Riddler was trying to pull one over on the Joker to get the Joker to laugh because he felt the necessity to get the Joker to laugh and why didn't the Riddler figure out that the only way that was actually gonna happen was if Batman attempted to murder him. I get what you're saying, man, but I don't dislike it because it wasn't what was shown in the story. I dislike it because it's just not very good. All right. Topic number two. Tom King's writing. Bringing up the next point, I hear many critics, reviewers, and podcasts argue about Tom King and how he never comes right out to tell the reader what's going on, where the story is going, and tries to get the reader to think throughout the story. To that, I say they are correct. But what's wrong with that? King doesn't come out and tell you the answer to his stories. He makes you ponder, discuss, and try to figure out where it's going. And for anyone out there trying to ask Tom King on Twitter about where the story is going and later gets pissed because he doesn't answer or replies with some retort like Batman is, why would he answer any of your questions? 
what does he have to gain by spoiling plot points on Twitter? He's not going to tell us anything online, nor does he have to. That's ridiculous. Maybe a straightforward story about Batman is better, but we've had that already, and he's giving us a new take. But we are certainly getting a different style of storytelling from Tom King than we have seen on Batman for a while now, and I'm okay with that. It's different than Detective, which is amazing right now, by the way, possibly my favorite Batman arc since Rebirth right now. But I want the books to be different, different styles and different looks at Batman. Side note, I want a Bat-Drake book. I personally love Tim as Batman, not Batman Beyond, and want to find a way to continue to get more Bat-Drake stories. As for the war, after listening to an interview with King in July, this was supposed to be a 12-issue maxi outside of the book, a standalone. DC Brass changed it to be in his Batman run, and he had to clip it down to eight total, including the interludes. Point is, more action, more conclusions, more reasoning may have been, <coughs> more reasoning may have been taken out to make it fit. So what many other readers wanted could have been in the cards all along. But again, this is what we got instead, and it was so pretty dang good in my humble opinion. After everything I said to this point, if it had to be cut down, which it was, and if it was centered around the proposal as the main event, then I think this story truly could have been told in three to four issues, excluding the interludes. Would readers have been pleased if it was shrunk down to five total issues and renamed The Proposal? Maybe, but there is only one thing we can all count on in this world, and that is that we can't make everyone happy. <gasps> Here it is again! Poops and giggles! So poops and giggles was a bit too long for me. Oh, I love it. It drug on a bit. It dragged? It drug on. Hmm. It dragged? It dragged a bit. Maybe if it was 12 issues, Tom King could have sprinkled in more action here and there, but I still feel it was a good story overall. See my earlier comments about Tom King. Yeah, we'll just keep going from there. Okay. Topic 18. Sorry, probably feels like that now. The overall idea of the war of poops and giggles. I love it. The poops and the giggles. A big takeaway from the entire arc to me was not the proposal, which I had no doubt she would say yes, but it was the end with the Joker. That was the moment, the culmination, the entire main idea Tom King was trying to show us all. Joker stopped Batman from crossing the line. Tom King made it clear in numerous ways that Batman was in a clear mind, knew what he was doing, and wanted to kill Riddler. And may I add a vicious stab through the face. Who does that? Who stabs someone in the face? You have to have gone bat poop crazy to stab someone in the face. Am I right? To stab someone in the face, I'd take that as a man who snapped and went dark. That moment we witnessed is truly what made Batman who he is right now. That's what King gave us from this arc, and I feel it keeps getting overlooked. If Batman kills Riddler that way, we are looking at a broken psychopath, no better than the Joker or any of the others. This is what he needed to tell Selina. This is why she's hearing all this crap again. Poop. She was there for the war, but never saw Batman crossing the bat poop crazy line. So he's laying, and I promise you listeners, poop is all over this place here. So he's laying it out there for her. Take him as he is, Selena. Just don't mind all his scars, physical as well as emotional. I definitely agree with the idea that he's he's laying this stuff out there so that she can understand that he has these emotional scars that are on his psyche. I get that. There's no question about that. The problem that I have is let's not forget that up until the point where Riddler says that he did all of this just to make Joker laugh, Batman teamed up with Riddler and was on Riddler's team, knowing that Riddler was the one who killed Kite Man's son. And yes, you could argue that Batman joined that team specifically to take down Riddler. Fine. 
I guess you could argue that and say, well, he was working with Kite Man behind the scenes so that he could eliminate the entire Riddler team and then take down Riddler. But what, like, he already knew that Riddler was a horrible person who basically killed somebody just to get some, just just to further his side of the, this war. So, I mean, like, there's that's the problem that I have with the disconnect. I, I, I have no doubt that, you know, that a lot of this had to do with trying to build up this this situation that happens in just the last issue. I mean, honestly, if you just took the last issue and you condensed it down where you have some horrible thing happen where Joker stops Batman from doing something that has him crossing the line, as is shown, and you are using that as a way to show that Batman has these emotional scars that he's trying to reveal to Selina, that by itself... That is a great thing for the character, and it makes complete sense. I have no issues with that. But the problem is it's all the lead-up and the unnecessary amount of lead-up that there, that's into it. And I'm not saying that, you know, like you said earlier, it was supposed to be a 12-issue series. If that's the case and that was what it was supposed to be, it could have turned out very different. I just don't feel like either the way it was condensed down or the the interlude, something, something was just disconnected for me. Anyway. I mean... I just, my whole thing is even more simple than that. I don't think Batman's going to take out a knife and kill Riddler with it, period. And I think that anyone, yeah. Especially after everything that he already knew going into this. Like, yeah, finding out that he was doing all of this just to get Joker to laugh again. Yes, that's going to be pretty upsetting, but I don't know that that's going to be enough to, like, make someone pick up a knife and stab yeah, in I someone's mean, face. The character of Batman, to me, I don't care if it's young in his career. He's still been Batman for a couple years at this point. You know what I'm saying? Like, Batman doesn't pick out a knife and kill a guy. That's just not who he is to me. Uh-huh. My Batman brands, people. All right. Topic Alpha Zero. The Ridden War started a war for basically nothing at all. Hundreds of people died for what? To make Joker a laugh? Batman was set up and got a child killed killed and can everyone online give batman a break about that already <laughs> i don't think so i hear so much complaining about how awful batman is now that he let hundreds of people die as well as a child it took batman days to stop deathstroke and deadshot this was probably year one or two of his career who starts their career at anything uh close to perfect he made mistakes like anyone and weren't along the way and again in my opinion this is just people picking on tom k tom king why? This isn't the first time Bats has let people die. How about Brother Eye and the Batman Beyond future? Didn't he make or at least help make that which destroys millions, if not more? Or how about Dark Metal right now? That's a bunch of poops and giggles. Let me tell you about that. Amnesty Bay drowned. Have no idea what you're talking about. Gotham and Metropolis with the Doomsday people walking around in giant pillars of people? Detroit? Coast City? I'm sure since Batman decided to look into this metal, no one has died at all in any of those cities. Cough, cough. Sarcasm. Again, probably millions if not more have died in dark metal right now from Bruce looking into the nth, nth metal. So, can we just take a step back and realize that Batman is human and not a god and can make mistakes? Uh, quick note for me on that. This, the events in a mega event like Dark Knight's Metal or Final Crisis are beyond his control. Some of the stuff that happens in War of Jokes and Riddles is absolutely in his Topic 97. The main idea in the war... I'm assuming Dustin didn't say anything. The main idea in the war. Batman lost it and was stopped by a man so twisted and insane that Batman truly questions if he is any different than the people he puts away. This was the moment of the entire arc. This could be the very reason why Batman always brings the Joker back to Gotham, as well as every last bad guy. 
Batman was saved, and maybe every last one of them can be saved too. I give this arc an 8 out of 10 because of the ending. The amount of thinking I've had to do because of what Batman tried to do and because Joker stopped him. It's everything! And every article, podcast, review, I feel like it just skims over that idea. What Tom King wrote, right or wrong, gave us part of Bruce's foundation of Batman for, like, ever. That's very that's very true. I, I would say that I get the idea of what the war was about. And like I said, if it just goes back to those emotional scars and trying to under, you know, help understand how close he's trying to get to Selena, that, that makes perfect sense. So now we get to topic 114, the finale. Whew. Who is the character of Batman, in your opinion? Is Bruce Wayne the mask and Batman who he really is? Or is Batman the mask and Bruce Wayne who he really is? I feel this is an important concept in reading any Batman book, because that's important to how you write the character. I think Tom King writes the character this way. That he fundamentally wants to be Bruce Wayne, but he can't. To King, Bruce Wayne is who he is and desperately fights to be that. But Batman and Batman is the mask. But that's not how most people see Batman. Most writers and people see the character as physically being Batman now, and he pretends to be Bruce Wayne. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I've always grown up thinking the same thing. But if this is how Tom King writes him, it makes reading the character in this book enjoyable, but in a different way, if that makes sense. He makes Batman more human. Tom King made Vision more human, if you will. A robot slash android more human. Well, even though Batman is truly human, he really hasn't been, quote-unquote, human. More super than human. He's been more machine than human to a degree. King is doing the same thing ultimately. He's making Batman human again. Anyway, just some thoughts about Batman recently. Sorry it was long-winded. Thanks for the soapbox and keep doing what you are doing. P.S. We know Catwoman did not kill all those people before I am suicide. Batman knows she didn't, but does GCPD? Point is, not only is Talia in hiding where they are going, but I bet Catwoman's friend Holly is there too. Clear her name before they get married. Just a thought. I don't think she's been quote-unquote cleared yet. Thanks again, Brett. Nope. Yeah, she's not cleared. And just see our earlier discussion on that uh, during the batman review um but specifically going back to your question of who the character of batman is is bruce wayne the mask or is batman who is is batman who he really is uh, i believe i'll just make this very quick and precise i believe that batman who is who he really is and the bruce wayne persona the playboy billionaire image that he portrays is actually the mask See, I've always been of a differing opinion of this. I've, I've always thought that this whole, is he the mask or is he Batman, is a bit of malarkey, to be honest with you. Malarkey! I mean, I'm Ed, but I'm also a father. I'm also a husband. I'm a boss. I'm a lot of things. I mean, they're all just different parts of our personality. We are not, none of us are one thing. We're a different thing as a father as we are as a friend to our, our friends. So I think it's just different parts of his, of who he is. I think they're all valid, so... Oh, uh, sure. I, yeah, I guess I can. I like the interpretation that, you know, Batman's really trying to Bruce Wayne, but it, trying to be Bruce Wayne, but it's just not really working. But I feel like he finds a lot of comfort in, in being Batman. I think he has to try really hard to be Bruce Wayne, but it seems like Batman comes as second nature to him. And so that's why I would almost lean towards, you know, Bruce Wayne being that, uh, that other person. Because, I mean, just look at all the times that Alfred has had to tell him, you know, you have this commitment here. You need to go. Whereas I think some he would really try to be intentional about 
making those, keeping those commitments instead of staying down at the back computer and sort of griping about going to those commitments. So, yeah, I just think something broke. Something broke when his parents died. I, I think the age of innocence right there snapped, and uh, he turned into to something else, as uh, Oliver Queen says on the CW. All right. So that is all of our comments on this episode. Thank you to those of you who wrote in and left those comments. Uh, like I said, I've been trying to get those comments, whether you leave them on YouTube or Facebook or Twitter or send them in through email. I'm trying to make sure I get them all ported over to the website so that we can be we have the chance to actually talk about those every episode. So if you have comments you'd like to be read or discussed on the next episode, be sure to leave those on the podcast post or any of the other comment sections that we have, and we'll try to get those on the next episode. In addition to that, check out the website for all this news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and of course the comics. Also be sure to check out all the other reviews and editorials that we have to offer on the website. We have new stuff posting every single week as well as new podcasts posting every single week, so be sure to check out all of those items that we have at the Batmanuniverse.net. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all the latest news and videos from the Batman Universe. Also, leave us reviews on iTunes. Those are always greatly appreciated. And leave us your comments in the podcast post for the next episode. With that, that is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Ed. And this is Stella. And you've been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys in two weeks. <laughs>